When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Every now and then on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, we get to talk to an old friend or a new friend, and today it's the old friend for me anyway, Ray Coob here. It's Marcus in the Darkest, and I do not know this guy personally, but I'm excited to talk to him too. Oh, sweet. It's always cool when you get to talk to somebody that you've never met before and it's over the phone because... The nerves don't appear too much. Oh, yeah. When you're in person and you've never met somebody before, you get those butterflies. And... There's a look I think we give off to the artist when they know that, or it could be the sweaty palms yes. if you shake hands. Yes. So no do you sweaty... fist bump? Do you fist bump? I do the fist bumps a lot. That's always a good way to avoid detecting the sweaty palm. And to pass germs. We could get into a whole thing about greetings with rock stars and how they all prefer to do it, but I prefer to get on the phone with this guy who has been an icon since you can remember, and uh, he's part of a band, Blue Oyster Cult, that's become iconic in my ute. Uh, when I was going to concerts, they were one of the first 10 concerts I ever saw, and it changed the way I looked at rock shows. I was a lot younger than you were at that time, and hearing Blue Oyster Cult on the radio was like, what is this? It's so different. It's almost darker but not scary it's just cool and it told different stories that you weren't used to hearing on the radio like don't fear the reaper it felt cultish to you didn't it it felt ah, very cultish yes on the phone on the imbalanced history of rock and roll an old friend of mine and I, I can't believe i get to say that when eric bloom is calling into the podcast ray and marcus here have you have you met marcus in the darkest we have not met yet 
well, how are you doing, Marcus? Not bad. How are you? Nice to meet you. I am looking forward to speaking with you today. This listened to your music a lot as a child and played it a lot on the radio over the last oh twenty nine years child. or so. Child. Yeah, sure. As a child I was He's raised I, on it, man. Yep. <laughs> like me. We talked about this a long time ago. It was spoon fed blue oyster call. Absolutely. Before we get into talking about other stuff, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the phone, we've been talking about it for a while, but um, you've been working on a new album, my man. Yes, uh, new stuff. It's supposed to be out uh, around the first week of September as we speak. Well, these things always uh, change, you know, but it was really cool to see, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I, I went on social media and I saw a picture of your widescreen computer at home with all the tracks up working on something. And that gets me goosebumply because it goes back to the days when we worked together like 20 years ago. Um, you guys have uh, any kind of a title or anything you can share with us about the new album coming out in September? Well, we're working on uh, 14 tracks. Uh, I, I can't say there will be 14 tracks because you never know what might bite the dust, but we're working on 14 tracks. Uh, the basics are, the basics are finished. Uh, we are now an, endeavoring to finish those tracks. And, um, you know, the vocals are being done. The guitars are being done. The, you know, I, I think, uh, the drums are finished. You know, I mean, you know how this goes, you know, everything's being done in, in bits and, um, eventually we'll be finished. And in Blue Oyster Cult world, that means you have to do all that stuff interspersed with the way you guys tour. You're still going out and doing three and four shows sometimes in a week and uh, making the rounds the way you did when we worked together? Uh, we just um, we just did two shows out west, and then uh, we several of us went to the NAMM convention, and then uh, we just got back from that. I'm afraid I picked up the NAMM disease. Ah. <laughs> Well, I saw pictures of you at the NAM. What was your uh, biggest takeaway? What was the coolest thing you saw while you were out there? Oh, there's so so much stuff. It's crazy there. Tens of thousands of people, you know. Um, and you see everything literally A to Z, you know. There's uh, one room down there. You take an escalator down. Uh, Don and I call it the nut room because that's where everything is for the people who don't have the ability to be upstairs, you know, financially. Gotcha. So you, you, gotcha. Where all the all the uh, you know non UL listed electronics are, ukulele companies and you know mm. just bizarre, you know, stomp pedal companies and um, just really interesting stuff. So uh, it's just an interesting hour just to wander around down there, and um, then there's all the obvious suspects. You know, you walk around Yamaha, which is like a huge ballroom, and then there's um, you know, you could just, Gibson is a madhouse and so is Fender, you know, it's just crazy. Was there any gear item or any new technological item that stood out to you that you were really impressed with that you had not seen before at NAMM? There was nothing that, 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 you know, literally blows you away. There's always, always something interesting, a new pedal, a new something right. or other, but a guitar is a guitar and, you know, a bass is a bass, you know, and it's, you know, we were just basically there. Uh, you're not been going to name for 40 years, so it's uh, it's usually 
I just am interested in seeing old friends and who you run into. I ran into Nico McBrain at one one place. Hey, Annalisa with Infocus Entertainment, sitting on the lap of Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden. You must have had some wild times. I'm having a wild time right now, boys and girls. <laughs> We're going to talk about the first thing that pops up, aren't we? Yes. Annalisa, you're lovely. Oh, you are very you. lovely. You're lovely too. Welcome, boys and girls. How are you? Awesome. I ran into, uh, you know, uh, Rudy Sarzo. I ran into uh, just all kinds of interesting people. Any young up-and-comers that you met or got to see that you had not seen or met before? Um, you know, probably, but, you know, I couldn't tell you who they were. You know, the, the, uh, I was mostly looking for old friends, and uh, you just walk, a, you, you walk by a booth, and there's somebody jamming away, you know, just uh, and you stop for a second and watch for, you know, two minutes. Right, and right. Then, uh, you keep going because the place is just cacophony. Otherwise, you never get through it all. I saw that picture of you and McBrain, and I, I think I posted two of my favorite humans. Uh, uh, been lucky enough to work with both of you guys. The last album you guys put out, we worked on together uh, a long time ago in another universe at uh, CMC Sanctuary, right? Uh, the Curse of the Hidden Mirror. And, yeah, talk uh, about talk about the CMC Sanctuary. That's a, we're going to release those two records. Uh, they're going to be um, redone by our new label and uh, be released later this year. They haven't been available in several years. So our new label is re-releasing those records. We're talking about uh, Heaven Forbid, which was the record that I did when I first came to CMC and we did promotion for that record. I was invo all involved in that. And then mm -hmm. in 2001, we worked on it together. I was in New York by then. I would come down to the uh, rehearsal spot, you guys. And, you know, one of those, uh, Marcus, it's one of those places where the walls are all graffitied and marked up and a million bands have practiced in there. And you guys were in there tearing the lid off it uh, for the record, the songs that would be on Curse of the Hidden Mirror, which I was very proud of and very happy to be a part of, I must say. So I'm glad they're here. They're coming out. Yeah, what's we, uh, we, what's we the deal? We were happy with that record. Yeah, but, yeah, me too. You know, the... Um, after a while, you know, you just can't find that record anymore. So uh, we're glad that um, the deal we made with um, Frontiers, which is a European label. Yeah, good label. We want to re-release both, both those labels, both those records. So uh, we're doing that. And um, those records will be out um, uh, later this year, I think, um, redone. I don't know if they're going to be remixed, but they're... They're going to be um, redone on vinyl, Blu-ray, hmm. uh, DVD later this year. Very cool, man. And, you know, I, I look forward to any new music from you guys because I got on in the 70s. Uh, I think I've told you before, that, and I don't know if I told Marcus this, but I was a kid in the on the floor at the Spectrum when they did the uh, Don't Fear the Reaper tour with the, with the green lasers, which I'd never seen, you know, at an indoor show before. <laughs> And these guys blew my mind. And then 20 some years later, we're working together. When Tom told me that you were signed to the label at CMC, I was so stoked to work with you guys and glad that we can get together here in another incarnation on uh, on our Imbalance History of Rock and Roll podcast. We're talking with Eric Bloom today, and he's got a day off between tour runs and uh, mixing sessions for their new record. And we're just happy to have you on the podcast, man. We go back. I, I've not read a lot of stuff about you guys over the years, but I saw this article recently. It was in the Finger Lakes Times, and it described uh, what was your... You really got to be... If you're if you if you found the Finger Lakes Times, you've really been 
dredging through the. I'm looking the, deep, uh, pal. The, the internet. <laughs> so it was your this I is what I want to do moment. They said from their uh, from your college days up in Geneva, and something about walking by and Wilmer and the Dukes were playing in a bar. And you and a friend were walking by the old Hotel Seneca, heard the music, went in, and it gave you that that that's that thing of wow, this is fun, this is awesome, having a couple beers and wanting to do that. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely. That's cool. Well don't 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 talk shit about the Finger Lakes <clears throat> Times, buddy. Man, they got that right, right? <laughs> uh yeah, well that's uh, you know, um I went to Hobart College, which is in uh, Geneva, New York, uh, of course, uh, over 50 years ago. Yeah, it's and, been a while. Uh, I don't know where, where they got that story from somewhere, but yeah, Wilmer and the Dukes were a, a phenomenon uh, 50-odd years ago, and uh, they were, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say bar band because they were way beyond that, but uh, I used to follow them around. Wilmer became a friend of mine, Cool. and we would, uh, I would follow him around very often, I would uh, drive him home after the gig, and um, he was a real character and a terrific guy and a big inspiration to me, even though he's sort of a no-name to 99% of any uh, you know, most people. It's good to find out something new about a friend. I guess that's what I'm thinking when I hear a story like that, buddy. Um, I hear you're going to have a photo book coming out. Is that right? Um, we're on the Pantheon Podcast Network. <laughs> And um, one of our favorite writers is Martin Popoff, and he's is that he's doing a book called Blue Oyster Cult, a visual biography. That's pretty cool. I just read about that. You know, of course, it has nothing to do with us. He's doing it on his own. Right. But how do you feel about How's the band feel about that when uh, a writer, I mean, Martin's a renowned writer, and uh, he's become a podcaster. How do you feel about it when somebody does a book and you're not really in the loop on it? Uh, he can do what he likes. You know, it's. Just like, uh, you know, Trump, um, you know, has nothing to do with 90% of the books that are written about him. Gotcha. So you st- you told me the story about Wilmer. Um, back to the soft white underbelly days before Blue Oyster Cult was the name of the band. Uh, you were, were you the engineer and then became the singer? Is that the story? You really want all that oldie moldy stories? No, I just wanted to know about that one thing, if that's true, because I I didn't know that. I know a lot about all those early days. I'm a geek that way. You know that. Um, the original original story was, uh, you know, I met the guys at Sam Ash. Right, uh, I remember that whole story. You know, yeah. chain, chain, chain of music stores. To make a long story short, um, I was asked by one of the band members to come down and do sound for the band at the Electric Circus because I had a PA in a van. So I did. This was Thanksgiving Day of 1968. And um, they said the sound system was no good. Uh-oh. So uh, I, I brought my stuff down there, and uh, I think we all got high together. And cool. um, this is, you know, six, the six, still the 60s, my friend. I know. And then uh, we, we uh, were all having a good time, and I did the sound that night. And Sandy Perlman came up to me after the show, and asked me if I wanted to join the band as quote unquote tour manager. Hmm. Guess what? I had a van and I had That's a right. <laughs> you had the PA. So um I was unemployed, uh, and that sounded good to me. So um I said fine. And they also had a place, you know, they had a band house. So around Christmas Day of sixty eight I moved into the band house. 
and uh, that was all because of uh, meeting the band at Sam Ash um, a, a couple, uh, week, maybe a week or so, ten days or so before that. Uh, a couple of months go by after that, uh, the band had a falling out with their singer, and uh, Alan Lanier had heard some tapes of my bar band days and had suggested to the other guys that they give me a shot. And uh, that's why we're talking on the phone today. I know, and I just wanted to ask you about that whole thing because I knew about you guys meeting at Sam Ash and a lot of the other stories that you've told me over the years, but I didn't know that whole part there with the Perlman conversation and all that. So thanks for filling a little blind spot for me, man. Um, yeah, well, you know, I could have been a lot more detailed, but that's that's close enough. Yep. I got a question. You guys appeared on the heavy metal soundtrack. Um, the Psychic Wars yeah. is the song. You had written another song that was... The, re- ve- the Veteran yeah. of the Psychic Wars. Yes, which is a great song and very appropriate for the uh, for the movie. But I was reading that you had written another song that was rejected because it basically was the story of Tarna in song. Do you remember working with the uh, movie people about all of that and how that all transpired? They asked us to write songs for the movie and uh, along with other bands. And Albert wrote um, the song that had to do with Tarna, um, basically off the script, took the script, wrote the song from it. And uh, I think the other guys all wrote songs directly from the script. And they, for some reason, they, um, movie people didn't like the songs that had to do directly from the script. And uh, they also heard Veteran of Sight Wars, which was from the, the album we were working on at the time. And they liked that better than the songs that were directly from the script. So they said, can we have that song instead? And that's how that happened. So, Veteran is a song I wrote with Michael Moorcock, the author, and um, that made it onto the soundtrack. And uh, the songs we wrote for the movie were not. Did you keep those songs that were written for the movie and record them and use them in any other shape or form after that, perform them live? No, I don't think we did. I think they're, you know, probably sitting, uh, they were home demos, you know, they were not like fully fleshed out. Right. Uh, I imagine each individual probably has them somewhere. Would you consider working on them as part of a future box set or anything along those lines? Uh, you'd have to ask each individual who has those songs under wrap somewhere. We're talking with Eric Bloom from Blue Oyster Code on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. Let's take a break for a tasty brew and a word from our sponsor. I know when I'm thirsty, I head to the heart of Hatboro and go see my friends at Crooked Eye Brewery. I want to thank Paul, Paul, and the whole gang for their support for our podcast. It's been great. Now, when you want to taste the freshest, most creative brews in the Bucksmont, you go to Crooked Eye at York Road in Montgomery right there in the heart of Hatboro. Pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. 
The Crooked Eye Crew makes every single night fun. Hey, and you can keep up with the live entertainment on the brewery's Facebook page. That's the best way to know what's happening there, including their free Tuesday night's Blues Jam, which is taken off. The Home Brewers Club and my partner in crime, Ray's Vinyl Nights, which are the third Wednesday of the month. That's every where the month. Home Brewers meet. And live music all the time, including the Crooked Eye Band. There's always good fun to be had. And a new friend to be made at Crooked Eye. And we want to thank them, as always, for their support of what we do on this crazy, imbalanced podcast. When you need a fresh, tasty brew, head to Hatboro and make it Crooked Eye. Ray? Marcus. Hanging on the imbalanced history of rock and roll, we're on the phone with Eric Bloom from Blue Oyster Cult. Um... Coming up in a couple of years, it's going to be 50 years since the debut album. Have you guys been talking at all about plans for something like that? Uh, I don't think we're booked into 22 quite yet, but we are booked into 21. I believe that. <laughs> but do you have anything, any ideas of doing something special, anything different, anything that you haven't done that you want to do together? Um, I don't think so. Not, not, I haven't really thought about it. All right. And, uh, um, we just booked uh, a, a rock cruise. Uh, uh, you know, they booked those rock cruises way in advance. Yeah. So uh, we, we just made out an offer we couldn't refuse to do uh, Legends of Rock Cruise uh, in 21. Do you know who you're going to be doing that with? I think the headliner is Sticks. Mm. Old CMC label mates. There you yeah. go. Yeah, they're they're great guys, and and they're really a very good band. Absolutely, great band. <laughs> great band. Uh, we've been doing this podcast for a while, Eric, and along the way, we got into a conversation about the Imaginos record. Uh, we had Kenny Aronson on, and he was in the studio. He gave a, a I was part of the conversation, and. I was wondering if you remember the the the, the way that whole thing uh, came together uh, after initially being a, a project for one of the members. It kind of had all kinds of people involved, and then ended up being Imaginos as a Blue Oyster Cult record. Do you have any recollection of that whole time, the period when all that was happening? Well, I know the whole story, but it'll take quite a while to tell it all. But what exactly do you want to know? I'm kind of wondering. Once the the, t- the initial tapes were done, how did how did you guys craft that into a record? How did you guys manage to pull that together and make it so that it felt like it was a Blue Oyster Cult record? Well, it's a it's a it's kind of a long story. Uh, when Albert left the band, he had this material that he was not making Blue Oyster Cult albums, and uh, so he got together with Sandy Perlman, who wrote all the lyrics, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Sandy and Albert approached Columbia Records to make the Imaginos project and uh, agreed. Uh, they got an advance and started working on it while Blue Oyster Cult went on its way. Several years went by and Columbia was not happy with what was coming out of that. So in order to finish it, uh, Columbia wanted it to be a Blue Oyster Cult album. Right. And, uh, that's basically what happened. Well, that kind of fills in another blank. We're going to have to have you call all the time and, and fill in things like that. I cut through you know, a lot of uh, story there because there's a lot of details I left out. But, oh, yeah. You know, it's, but there's so many people who went... What happened. Yeah, there's so many people who contributed to the record, to that record, and, and when I looked at it, I went, 
holy hell, this is a, like all these different people and uh, like Robbie Krieger and Aldo Nova and Kenny and uh, Tommy Price, different people. I just have, wanted to fill in a blank there. And thanks for taking care of that. For Marcus, he was, he, we talked about this with Kenny before and he was, I got to ask one of the guys from Bloister Cult if we ever get him on. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for that, Bob. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was Sandy. Um, that was really his, you know, his masterpiece as far as he was concerned. As gotcha. far as lyrics go and trying to trying to get it uh, created and um, finalized. And it was a double album, so half of it is, is in the can somewhere. Interesting. Mm. Learning Does... stuff all the time on this podcast, I'll tell you. We Does... learn so much, Eric, about even things and people that we know or, or know about. And you're... You're really giving us more information there. Thank you, brother. Now, is there any chance that that second half of Imagine Us will see the light of day? That other album? Um, I believe if you um, reach out to Albert Bouchard, uh, he would probably tell you that uh, he has the other half. And mm. um, with his mixes and gotcha. his vocals, um, and uh, it might on the net somewhere you know because he's pretty proud of, of the way he worked on it you might find it on YouTube or something like that who's working with you guys in the studio is it the band that's on the road as Blue Oyster Cult these days or do you have different people involved working with you no it's it's the you know, current band uh, which is Jules Rudino Danny Miranda Richie Castellano Buck and myself now Danny's been playing bass in the band for a long time now well, um, the, the last several years, Cosm uh, yeah. Sultan left uh, a few years ago to pursue other projects, mm -hmm. and um, Danny, we were lucky he was available, and Danny had been in the band in the 90s for uh, about a decade, and then he took off to go do other things, and uh, when Meatloaf stopped working, um, Danny left and was doing other things, he became available to us. So um, it worked out perfectly. You you also co you covered Kick Out the Jams, the MC5 classic. Turn off the jams, Why did you decide to cover that song and put it on an album? Well, we loved MC5. I actually saw them play several times. We were actually uh, on uh, uh, Electra Records back in those days. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, not many people still alive can say they saw the MC5. You know, playing. Where'd you see him, and, man? Um, I, you know, I don't recall. Uh, probably a few different places in New York. Okay. Um, I, I don't really remember, but I know I saw them um, play. Got to remember the purple haze of those days. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we were talking about because Marcus was he he came across your version of it and that and I listened to it and then it got me thinking about other people's versions of it. And uh, we came across with Pearl Jam's uh, with a kick-ass version. and uh, Rage, Rage Against Rage. the Machine does a cover as well. And to our ears, you were saying it. They both seem to be more true to how you did the song versus how the MC5 did the song. Like it had an influence on their versions. And I never noticed that before when I, until I, today when I put the two of them together.
Yeah, I think our version is pretty good. Yes, it is. I think it's very good. It kicks out the jam, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, they were a terrific band, and, and you know they're always up there for Hall of Fame and don't quite make the cut. But what uh, they were, they were, they were something to behold. You know, uh, as a band to go see live. I How wish would, I could have. I wish I could have. How would you describe their live show? It was, uh, you know, it, it was energy in a bottle with the cork mm. unleashed. You know, mm. I like that. Pretty amazing. Well, you've seen a lot, my friend, and I'm just uh, glad to see that you're still. Uh, the road goes on forever, as they say, and no rest for the weary. I know you guys are uh, uh, continue to tour. People can keep up on the website, blueoystercult.com, right? Yes, and uh, you know what the BOC news is these these days is. Uh, uh, re-release of uh, the cult classic and uh, 2014 live in Cleveland, which is coming out um, uh, this month of January. Nice. And um, then the two CMC records is going to be released in 2020. And these are all coming out in, in interesting. They're all coming out in, in a variety of packages. Uh, very modern, you know, vinyl. Nice. Yeah, vinyl's DVD, back, Eric. CD. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's Stop unbelievable. selling uh, uh, CDs. Cassettes are coming and, back, uh, too. You're dreaming, pal. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in all those different formats, it's good because everybody's listening to it differently. Do you do digital releases on stuff like that, too? Um, you know, uh, whatever record, the record we're putting out in, in the fall yeah. will come out in every kind of way possible. Great. Uh, and we have... Uh, 14 tracks as we speak so uh, if that doesn't fit on on a double album then we'll, we'll, we'll put out three you know whatever it takes sweet and the new album you're working on is it one story the whole album one concept one story or is it a bunch of stories put together well you got we got four writers so um you know it's going to be i can't say it's a concept um, you've got uh, a lot of different people writing and singing. We, we think it's uh, going to be a, a good bunch of tunes that uh, you know our fans will like, we hope. You breaking any of them in on the road? Uh, I think we're about to. There's maybe one, one song that we played as a trial balloon uh, a couple of months ago, but uh, we really weren't ready to play it, but we just said, oh, let's try it. Uh, we'll probably, we probably need a good four or five hour rehearsal to really... Uh, get ready to play these songs live but, right, uh, right. We, we're really bearing down on on, on the finishing these uh, recordings right now well we will let you get to that and we want to thank you um high fives and hugs from uh the 215 to the 516 eric bloom from blue oyster cold our guest here on the imbalance history of rock and roll thanks for coming on man and hopefully uh you'll call us back again sometime thanks again eric yeah yeah whatever you guys want and uh always glad to chat so a lot of different stuff coming from BOC in 2020. And another guy leaves us hanging. Not shocked, but we love it. Yeah, man. Thanks to Eric Bloom for being our guest here. Uh, as you can tell, it's going to be a busy year here in 2020 for Blue Oyster Cult. And don't forget to keep up with them on their website, blueoystercult.com. And you can probably follow them in all areas of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. 
I'm not kidding. In the interview, I'm not kidding. He posts stuff about um, tracks in progress. Uh, here's the home uh, vocal booth I have set up, stuff like that. And it's good to see that guys who've been doing it for 50 years are DIYing it a little bit uh, to make it a little more earthy, more organic here mm-hmm. in the uh, new century. Yep. And it was fun hearing some of those stories and how things evolved and how they changed with the band. And to hear it firsthand makes it really kind of special. And he filled in a lot of blanks for me. So thanks for that, Eric Bloom, on this edition of the podcast brought to you by Crooked Eye and the Heart of Hapro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Well, let's wrap it up here from the Soul Kitchen Studios of Dark Doc Media on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And we'll catch you next time on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger. Offering professional-grade industrial supplies, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills, too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.